That was the sound of downtowns all across the country this past weekend and pretty much every day. Folks have been fired up for the fight for racial justice in the United States of America as a result of the recorded death of George Floyd who was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I honestly believe we're witnessing a revolution before our eyes. We've reached a boiling point when it comes to race relations and when it comes to police violence in this country. It's got to go. We've got to find serious solutions and keep making people feel uncomfortable because that's how we're going to keep this conversation in the mainstream. But before we continue, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to call this the 60 second rundown. Every time we're talking about a current and hot button issue, I'm going to dedicate 60 seconds to updating you with the current news that's tied to that issue. Okay, let's begin. Since the protests and marches and looting began, a majority of states all across the country have issued curfews for their citizens to go in at a certain time. In the state of Arizona, the curfew has been set for 8 p.m. Derek Chauvin, the piece of trash who killed Mr. Floyd, has been charged with third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. Also, his wife has divorced him. All four officers, including uh, Derek Chauvin, uh, have been fired by the Minneapolis Police Department. The other three who witnessed, you saw the video, there were three other cops complicit in this murder, have not been charged yet. There's been an immense pressure online and in the community of Minneapolis for these officers to also be charged as well. In response to all the protests, riots, and looting that has been going on, President Donald Trump has asked our nation's governors to use force when needed, which means governors are allowed to send the National Guard and maybe even request the military for backup. Good thing Mayor Romero of Tucson has requested that the National Guard or military not come down to Tucson to respond to the protests. Yesterday, President Trump fell under fire for forcing riot police to shoot tear gas and rubber bullets at peaceful protests in front of the White House so that he can pull a publicity stunt by walking to one of the churches in Washington, D.C. that caught fire the other day during one of the riots that went down so that he can take a picture of himself holding a Bible to try to make some of his supporters happy. That, my friends, is the rundown where you'll get to listen to the headlines relating to the issue that we're talking about that day. Now back to the show. There's been many marches and protests that have been planned in Tucson AZ. And today, we're going to be having a conversation with Montrell Gant, a young African-American man in the United States of America who gives a damn about what's going on right now and is super passionate and has been marching in the past few days. We're going to talk to him about his own experiences of being black in the United States of America, his thoughts on what's been going on, and what he plans on saying at the next couple rallies that he'll be speaking at this week in Tucson, Arizona. You know, first, I want to start off by getting your take on, on all that's going on. You know, it seems like we're in 1968 and, you know, you got folks rioting and for very good causes, in my opinion, folks out in the streets 
as a response to what happened to Mr. George Floyd out in Minneapolis. What's your take on all of this? Well, man, first and foremost, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm actually, I'm a big fan of the show, been a big fan of the recent episodes that you've been doing, you know, regarding mental health and uh, your conversation with uh, Miss Marina. I actually know her sons personally, so uh, I thought that was a very great and healthy conversation that you had with her uh, on what's going on. But man, my take on it was I watched the George Floyd video twice. Um, the second time actually being Sunday night. Um, and the first time I watched it, I, uh, I watched it as a, as like, like everybody else. Um, and I was just, I was just, uh, appalled just angry and, you know, frustrated that I was seeing another video of another black man being murdered by uh, a police officer. Um, and it was, I was just appalled by it. But the second time I watched it, I, uh, I watched to, you know, look around and listen to all the, the little things. And, you know, what broke, what broke me was the fact that he was calling for his mother and uh, his mother has passed on. And um, so the fact that, you know, he was calling out to his mother, who's no longer on this earth, physically, it just, it broke me because to me, that was saying that he could see, you know, how this situation was going to play out. And he wasn't going to leave this situation with his life. So I mean, it was, um, I was hurt. I was appalled both times watching it. Um, I was angry, I was frustrated, and I was scared. You know, I, I went out the next day after watching it the first time, uh, a cop car pulled up behind me and I got, I started looking at my speedometer very closely, even though I was doing the exact speed limit because I didn't want to get pulled over because I've never been pulled over, but I'm always scared that the first time I get pulled over by a police officer could result in my last day being on this planet. Uh, so, I'm a, I'm very afraid, but I'm also very proud of, of, of my people. I'm very proud of the, the black community. I'm very proud of allies of the black community going out and voicing their opinions and going out and expressing their frustration. I, I don't condone, you know, rioting or looting or anything like that. I definitely don't condone looting, but I, I don't condemn it because I understand that the frustration is there and it's it's boiled over and when frustration boils over it 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 results in something ugly but you know i know we'll get we'll get more into that later on but overall um with the peaceful demonstrations i'm very proud of those and um you know the rioting i'm 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 just, I'm proud that we're reacting and we're not waiting to react. Right, right. And, and it, it frustrates me because I look on my Facebook timeline or Twitter, or no, it's more so on Facebook because I've got older folks on there. Yeah. And um, these are the same older folks who criticized Colin Kaepernick because he was kneeling. Mm-hmm. And now they're criticizing these riots and stuff. So it's like, are you going to criticize a peaceful protest? Uh, or you're going to criticize the riots in favor of a peaceful protest. It's like, you can't have both. What are your thoughts on that? 
Um, man, my my opinion and thoughts on you know folks who just can't seem to pick a side on that. My my advice to those who think like that is if you didn't walk up, if you haven't walked a single step in my shoes or the shoes of other African-Americans in this country or the shoes of people who have suffered uh, as victims of systematic oppression in this country and in this world, if you haven't walked in those shoes, you can't tell, you can't tell me how to react. You can't tell my brothers and sisters in the black community how to act. You can't tell my brothers and sisters in the Latino community how to act because we've all been victims of, of oppression. And it's just, I, we, tr we tried it the peaceful way and Colin Kaepernick did a very bold thing. Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed too, because, you know, we can't, we can't, you know, forget about Eric Reed, who was his teammate who took a knee with Colin Kaepernick. He doesn't have a job anymore. He was signed by the Carolina Panthers, but he was gone before the season was even over. So, you know, we, you can't, my advice to those folks is uh, next time somebody peacefully demonstrates and peacefully expresses uh, their grievances about how this country treats black folks and people of color, next time listen to them. Listen to the peaceful demonstrations so that way you don't have to criticize the rioting. You don't have to criticize the looting. And you don't have to value buildings and inanimate objects over actual human beings. So my, my, like my, my thoughts on that is exactly that. If mm -hmm. you haven't walked a mile in our shoes, don't criticize how we react. Get involved in the conversation and actually ask, how can I help? And the first step you can, you can uh, the first thing you can do to help is listen. Listen to black folks, listen to people of color, listen to victims of systematic oppression. So that way we can actually get a line of discussion going. We can get a line of dialogue going. You mentioned something really important and that was, you know, if you, you haven't walked in our shoes, so you don't understand the systematic oppression that we've experienced for generations. African-American folks have experienced for generations. Can you tell me certain experiences that you've had as far as, you know, grappling your stance on race and your place in this world? Man, uh, the first time I actually felt that having a different skin color than everybody else made a difference was when I was about five or six years old. and um, of course, I grew up born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. It's a predominantly Hispanic, uh, Latino presence. You don't see that many black folks in Tucson. I think we make up about 5% of the population in Tucson. So I don't, I growing up in elementary school, middle school and high school, I really didn't see people that looked like me. So when I was about five or six, I was the only black kid in my class. And I remember being teased so often uh, throughout the school year about, you know, being black and, you know, having a darker skin color. It wasn't, there was no stereotypes attached to it. There was nothing else. It was just the fact that my skin color was darker than everybody else's. And I remember one night in particular, I slept over at my grandmother's house, me and my brothers, and um, I was in the bathtub and I took a bath and I just remember being in there for about an hour or an hour and a half. And I was just 
scrubbing, just scrubbing, because I was just hoping that a little bit of the black would come off, you know, and, and also too, earlier on, I had a, during that same time frame, I have an aunt uh, who is African-American, uh, her skin uh, is brown, but she is uh, a sufferer of vitiligo. And vitiligo, of course, is it takes the melanin out of your skin and it leaves you with, with patches and it leaves dark skin, you know, kind of turning white. And I just remember seeing my aunt and I was, and just, it was just so messed up, the mentality I had at five. I was just, I looked at her and I was like, man, I wish, I wish I had that. And it was the same thing when I saw Michael Jackson for the first time. I was like, man, I wish I had what he had because I just didn't want to be black when I was five years old. When I was younger, I did not want to be black. And it's, it's a shame. I'm ashamed that I thought about that uh, when I was that age. But, you know, that was, that, was, that was honestly the most hurtful experience I had was, you know, people in my class making me ashamed to be black. How, ha- how have you evolved from that moment where you were ashamed to be black? I think the biggest thing was the biggest thing was uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a very family based man. I'm also a very you know religious man. I've been going to church since before I was in the since before I was actually out of the womb. When I was in my mother's uh, stomach, I was we were going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Thursday. Um, so I just. I'm I'm a man of prayer as well. So I, I prayed a lot. I was around my family a lot and just just seeing the black excellence throughout the world and throughout history made me happy. And I think it the 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 actual turning point, if you want to pinpoint a day that I turned away from that mentality and I was actually proud to be black was the day Barack Obama got elected. Because when Barack Obama got elected, that made me feel like, man, like someone who looks like me, someone who talks like me, someone who, who, who has had the same experiences as me is the most powerful man in the country. He's essentially the leader of the free world. And he's one of the most powerful men in the world. And the fact that his skin color and... He, the fact that his skin color looks like mine, the fact that when he opens his mouth, he talks like me and he sounds like me, uh, that made me happy and proud to be black. And I, I haven't looked back ever since. For those who find themselves in a situation that you found yourself years ago, what advice do you have for them trying to, trying to find their place in this world? Trying to, trying to be, what advice do you have for them so that they can be proud of who they are? My biggest advice to those who are kind of living in the shadows and have trouble coping with who they are, uh, whether you're black, whether you're Hispanic, you know, whether you're Asian, doesn't matter who you are. If you're different than the masses, it also it doesn't matter if you're you're uh, doesn't matter if you're gay. It doesn't matter if you're lesbian. It doesn't matter if you're non-binary. It doesn't matter if you're trans. If you are different from the masses the biggest advice I have for you is look around and seek others who do look like you 
seek others who have walked the the who have walked in the same shoes as you seek them because they are out there and because and all it takes is one all it took for me was 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 one black friend to kind of pull me out of the shadows and to kind of you know help shape me into being comfortable and another piece of advice i have is look for people who look like you but you may not know personally and i mean that as in public figures and celebrities look for like i said barack obama was a big inspiration for me i look towards athletes like lebron james kobe bryant uh randy moss was an early one for me because i was a big uh, randy moss fan so look for look for heroes look for public figures look for friends look for family who look like you who talk like you who have had the same experiences as you so that way you can evolve and you can finally look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm proud of who I am. You're speaking at a rally on Wednesday at the U of A mall, and then you're speaking at one on Saturday. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, tomorrow it's, uh, um, tomorrow we're going to be meeting at the U of A mall, uh, a black student organization uh, or organized this event and you know everybody if you're going to come out wear a mask i'm going to be speaking we're going to have a plethora of speakers and basically the theme of it is it's just black people speaking about being black in america mm -hmm. and you know i'm currently working on my speech for it right now uh the one on saturday is uh organized by the university of arizona uh, black student union um, I'm very excited to be speaking at that because, you know, it's, it's, it's also the same thing there. Uh, it's people, black people speaking about being black in America and all are welcome because we welcome all open ears, all open ears who are willing to listen are more than welcome to come out and sit and support. And there's going to be, there's going to be water. You know, of course you want to wear a mask because we are in the middle of a pandemic. Um, but we're it's it's uh it's it's i also too want to remind everybody that the both rallies on wednesday and saturday are peaceful so i i put this on my snapchat story and my instagram stories if you're gonna try and come out and incite violence if you're gonna try and come out you know to bust some heads and break windows then you need to stay your tail at home you need to stay at home don't come out and just support us from the sidelines because we really we don't need that right now. Right. And what what kind of message do you want to do you want to share? I I want to personally share to um those who feel that rioting is the only way because I have heard that. I have heard that from multiple black people. I've heard that from my peers. They they've said that, you know, this this peace stuff ain't going to get us far. This peace stuff ain't going to get us far, which I beg to differ because rioting is only going to get us so far, you know, rioting. I, I like to look at a riot as a way that you can get someone's attention. When a child wants a parent to know that they want something, they'll verbalize it. But when the parent isn't paying attention to them, they'll start acting out. So eventually when they act out, you get, uh, the child will have the parent's attention. So that way, when they get their attention, they can verbalize, they can reverbalize it in a different tone and let them know that that, that, 
this is what they want. So it's the same thing out there in the streets. We can riot. We can burn stuff down and all that. And we're doing it. Like I said, I don't condone it, but I don't condemn it because I understand. And I understand that it is a means to get the masses attention. And we have their attention. Protests are going on in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. I just I just saw it on CNN. Protests are going on in all 50 states, including yeah. our nation's capital. And that's, it's, that's wonderful and it's beautiful to see because we're getting their attention. Now that we have their attention, let's sit down and let's tell them what we want. And mm-hmm. let's tell them Back then, the the conversations were, you know, we speak and they would kind of overpower us. But now in 2020, the conversations are, we're going to speak, you're going to listen. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my message. When a child wants a parent to know that they want something, they'll verbalize it. But when the parent isn't paying attention to them, they'll start acting out. So mm-hmm. eventually when they act out, you get, uh, the child will have the parent's attention. So that way, when they get their attention, they can verbalize, they can reverbalize it in a different way. And you mentioned something about this isn't us versus the police, mm-hmm. but this is us versus the system. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, at the rally on Monday, uh, it kind of troubled me because, you know, like I said, a, a, a separate group that wasn't associated with the, the rally, they weren't associated with Enough is Enough. They, they hopped on the stage and they started, you know, chanting that they started chanting ACAB, which we've seen everywhere on, uh, on social media. And it means all cops are bastards. And they were just chanting it and mm-hmm. chanting it. But it's, it's not us versus the police. And I want to stress that to my fellow young people. I want to stress that to my fellow members of the black community. It's not us versus the police. It's us versus this system that has allowed these corrupt police officers and allowed these racist vigilantes to get away with it. And they pushed the narrative that if you kill a black person, you won't go to prison. If you kill a person of color, you won't go to prison. So my biggest mess, you asked me too previously what my biggest message is. It goes along with it. It goes along with uh, uh, it not being us versus the police, but rather us versus the system. We've got to vote. We've got to vote in our education. We got we to gotta vote in our local elections and we got to vote in our national elections because I blame, yes, uh, bad police are out there. Bad police are out there and they are, they are present. But I also, while I blame them, I blame the district attorneys who weekly pursue these cases. I put, I put this on a big thread on Twitter. I blame the district attorneys who weekly pursue these cases and don't sought out justice and leave their ADAs out in the cold with, with little to no evidence. I blame the judges who, in the event that these people are prosecuted, they give out weak sentences. You know, and, I, and just an example, I mean, a black man could walk around with, you know, an ounce of weed and get sent to prison for over 20 years. Brock Turner raped an intoxicated, unconscious girl and because he was a swimmer from Stanford University, uh, he got three months in prison for sexual assault. So I blame the judges who impose these weak, these weak things, these weak sentences. I also blame our educational system, not the, not the educators, but the educational system who, who taught me as a child and are currently teaching our children now that, that in essence, the only election that matters is 
who we're putting up in Washington when that's not true. We're voting in our local elections for district attorneys, for judges, for mayors, for governors, for delegates, for representatives. We're voting for people in our backyard who can help incite change right here where we live because tr we can't just shout to the voices in Washington and expect them to hear us. We got to go through our local people. So that's my biggest message is we all need to look up when local elections are. We need to vote. We need to vote. We need to vote. We need to vote because a lot, and I know a lot of people say our vote doesn't count. The system is rigged and this and that. But I believe the same system that, that elected a fat, orange, blonde-haired, narcissistic, racist, homophobic, transphobic, xenophobic, monster dictator is the same system that, that elected a black president, a man from, who has a law degree from Harvard University, a man who is well-spoken. It elected him not once, but twice. So the vote is an underrated weapon. The vote's an underrated weapon. That's why they tried to keep black people from voting for so long. They tried to keep women from voting so long. They tried to keep Latino and Hispanic people from voting for so long. So that's my message. We need to go out and we need to vote because the vote is one of our weapons. Look y'all, Montreal is right. We have to vote if we want to see some real damn change happen in this country. We gotta vote in the new leaders. It's our responsibility. And I know on Instagram, a bunch of people have been posting the black squares with the hashtag Blackout Tuesday, hashtag BLM, whatever. And they had their little spiel about why they support the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes, that's great. Yes, it's super awesome to see so many folks stand in solidarity with what's going on right now. But what would be really helpful is if some of you join the protests. And if you don't feel comfortable joining the protests, that's always okay. Find a way, donate money to the Black Lives Matter organization or other organizations with similar efforts that demands equity in our communities. Donate water to the marchers. Educate yourself on what it means to be anti-racist. Be an ally and advocate after the outrage ends. Don't only advocate when it looks cool. Advocate all the time. There's going to be a march on June 3rd at 4 and that's at the U of A mall there's also going to be something going down at Reed Park at 10 a.m. on this Thursday June 4th and then there's something on Saturday at the U of A student union and that's at 3 p.m. go to them show your support and thank you all for joining me for the conversation follow me on Twitter at Robles Speaks